The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, brought to you by Narcanon Suncoast. Hello, Jason. Hello, Joni. Back in the studio. Thank God. I like it better here than when we do it remotely. But every now and then it gets so incredibly busy that I we have no choice we have no choice in the matter. I know and and being busy, it's a good thing and a bad thing. It's a bad thing because it means there are still a lot of addicts out there that need help, mm-hmm. but it's a good thing that uh, more and more are turning to Narcanon, which we think is a good thing. Which is a good thing and that's what we're doing and spreading the word about Narcanon and what we have to offer and it's it's constantly busy and you know there was um there was a time where you and I were talking about how I said um there's nothing that shocks me anymore, mm-hmm. but every now and then something comes through that shocks me. Like the last time I talked about, we talked about this. I said someone, I got a call that someone was shooting bug spray. It, that's a new one. Oh, is that, that a new one? Is that a I new one? I thought I talked about that last time. Well, I, there, well, there was a guy that was actually- Shooting it? Like putting shoot it in, like their, in a needle. But it's poison. Of course. Well, all drugs well, but, are. No, I know, but, but bug spray is like- Bug more spray. Than, more like than insect po- repellent. It's like- yeah. Yeah. Okay. They were putting it on a screen and doing this whole process with it and extracting it and shooting it. Okay. Then I had a call <laughs> from a woman whose husband was huffing paint thinner and she had found all these rags all over the house he had hidden and the whole house smelled like paint thinner. She couldn't figure out why until she started finding all these rags. But it's crazy what people will do for a buzz. Well, now paint thinner, for some reason, doesn't surprise me and i don't know why if i've heard about that before it, maybe because paint it's kind of common yeah when people are huffing stuff the bug spray the bug spray I, thing's crazy it, right it, it it is it is crazy and yeah i know all drugs are poison but that's like that's like really poison, that's poison. Really that poison. would be like shooting up arsenic or something well i mean shooting up <laughs> meth isn't that much different i mean shooting up meth i mean you're putting so many caustic chemicals into your system i mean when you when you're cooking meth i mean you're not just using you know sudafed and a couple, you know, common household, you know, ingredients. You're using battery acid and red phosphorus and and uh, certain types of acids, and it's just like it's a whole crazy thing. And people will stick that in their veins all day and not really think about it because when you get meth, it's just very clean looking, crystal clear crystal, right? But it's the byproduct of some seriously toxic substances. Like it's one of those drugs that, like, one of the just one ingredient by itself that goes into making meth will kill you. Oh, but you're like if you started shooting red phosphorus or as types of acids or detergents and cleaners and strippers and stuff like that, like that all goes into making meth. But each one of those individual chemicals, if you consume it, will kill you. Yeah. But I guess when you mix it all together and put it through some chemical reactions, it's not going to have as bad an effect on you. But we get so many calls from meth. It's unbelievable how many people are using it. When I was doing drugs, meth was not a thing out here. Right. Now it is because the cartels are pumping it through all the major pipelines right as far as like the highways in the in the in the country go so it's and like coming in coming into the ports like miami it comes and into the ports it comes in through the mexican u.s border it comes mm-hmm. in through all you know all over the place and it's 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 gaining popularity over cocaine now something interesting about cocaine lately there's been reports that fentanyl is being mixed with it so oh. people are doing cocaine and dying of opiate overdoses wow and they can't figure. And the thing is, no one knows that's what happened because when you when I did cocaine, cocaine was my main drug of choice besides opiates. When when I did cocaine, you you bought cocaine and you were pretty sure you got a bag of cocaine, and it was usually mixed with like a, in, I, I think it was baby laxatives were one of the cuts that they would use, the dealers would use to extend 
their supply or inositol. Baby laxatives? Yeah, baby okay. laxatives. There, okay. There's the whole joke about how as soon as you sniff a line of, co- of cocaine, you have to go to the bathroom. And that's because they cut up ba- sometimes they cut up baby laxatives. And then... Um, I don't know how it is that you take such a serious <laughs> subject like drug addiction and we end up laughing. Yeah. I hope nobody out there thinks that we are being completely insensitive. No, no. Not, but it's, it's just, you know, yeah. Okay, anyway. So, okay, so, baby, so yeah, there's the joke that you do a line of cocaine, you have to go, go to the bathroom. Anyway. Okay. So, um... Or they cut it with a nostal or baking soda. Like but you knew it wasn't going to kill you. you, you it wasn't oh, something no. It was gonna, I mean... Well, you knew it wasn't something lethal that it was cut with, necessarily. You... A lot of us knew there was a chance that we'd all have our hearts would explode when we sniffed a line of coke. And there's actually a large incidence of instant death in people that do cocaine. Right. The but, first time but, they do it. but I'm saying you didn't, you didn't think get it thinking that there was something added to it that could kill you, you like instantly. You worried about it being too weak. You didn't worry about it being too strong. I got it. You okay. know what I mean? It's like yeah, when, yeah, when yeah. dealers are cutting the product, you're getting a less pure product. And right. so like you're worried about, oh, this is probably like... 30% cocaine and 70% cut and it's not going to be that great or you get like the really good stuff which we called fish scale which was like shiny and looked like fish scales and you knew that was very very pure and it was cut with ether and it was going to be amazing and it was and all the stuff and blah 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 but you never worried about it being mixed with a drug that could potentially kill you and also an opposite drug right because an opiate's the opposite in my book is the opposite of cocaine so one, cocaine one's a, is one's co- a downer, one's an upper. So co- cocaine's an upper, and opioids. yeah. Oh, I had. No, I mean, cocaine's uh, a stimulant. Okay. It gives you energy, gets you like revved up and ready to go and party and drink all night. Woohoo! Okay. I um, mean, opiates are more of that numbing, slowed down, pain killing kind of thing. And but so, I what mean, does it do to the the body? I would think just wouldn't know what to do with it. Well, okay. So here's here's something that people like to do in the drug world. Speedball. You know what speedball is? We talked about that. Speedballing it's meth is and cocaine, or right? Co- it's, no, it's cocaine and, and or meth mixed with opioids. Opioids. Okay. So basically you get the Super rush high, of the you, you get down. the rush of the of the cocaine or the meth and then you get the the what's the word? I'm like the euphoria of the opiate. Right. Um but your body doesn't know to go up or come down or do whatever, and a lot of times your heart just stops. Right. So so Nowadays, people are dying all over the country because of cocaine being mixed with fentanyl. And I always wonder, why would you ever mix cocaine with fentanyl? Like, cocaine's addictive enough by itself. I don't think it's to make it more addictive. But what if you put just a little bit in to where the person gets used to it and they get sick when they stop? Mm -hmm. So then they need your cocaine. Okay. That's one thing I thought of. Okay. The other thing I thought of was that dealers were intentionally selling bagged up speedballs. Okay. Because people wanted that. Right. And I read an article that said it might be a contamination error. Hmm. Like a cross contamination between drugs. Like you've got dealers just messing with so many different drugs, they end up just mixing it together and just like whatever. Yeah. But it's scary because you have people that are using cocaine. And when you're using cocaine, you're not worried about overdosing. It's you, it's very rare that you hear about like major overdoses with cocaine. Okay, you can get way too high, right? And it's scary and it's terrible and it's awful. But you, you jump off a building, or yeah, something. you're not gonna you're not gonna necessarily just like fall asleep and never wake up again. Um, but you may have a heart attack, you may have a stroke, you may have all these different things. But right. opioid users a lot of times will use together in case one falls out, the other one can revive them. Okay, it's kind of twisted as that it is. It's like a buddy system with getting high. Okay. And and ex- <laughs> everyone should see the face Johnny just made. 
Uh, it, okay. but, but experts will tell opioid users don't use alone just in case you do overdose. That so at least if someone's still awake, they can uh, squirt Narcan in your nose. Okay. Um, but no one does the buddy system with cocaine because you don't think you're going to die of respiratory arrest. But now people are dying because they are mixing either on purpose or accidental or whatever. I don't really care what it is. The fact that it's happening is they're mixing fentanyl with cocaine and it's really, really dangerous. So now fentanyl is affecting other drug users besides opioid opioid users. Right. And so that's a pretty scary thing. And yeah. it's going to find its way into tons of other stuff. They've found it in meth. I don't even know how that happens because meth is a crystal. It's a crystallized thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's a really scary thing I read. The other thing um, I read this week in the world of addiction, uh, there was a huge situation in Illinois where people who were using spice were spontaneously bleeding from their eyes and their nose. And I think there's one confirmed death. Now, spice, I'm sorry, at this point, why would anybody use spice? But I, I get you can say that about heroin and all the other drugs. Right. Why would anyone use it? But right. people want to get a high. So people still use spice. It's still sold. Um, and in Illinois, there's just, there's just reports of people spontaneously bleeding out of their faces. And uh, it's like, it kind of brought me back to the bath salt zombies. Do you remember right. that? Yeah. Like where the, yep. the guy like ate the face off a homeless person uh-huh. in Miami. Yeah. Like the police pulled up as the guy was eating a guy's face. Yep. Or did you ever see those? <laughs> oh, it's, it's awful. I mean, when I read that, I couldn't believe it. That, but that actually happened from bath salts, which was a drug called mephedrone. Uh, that's also been altered multiple times like spice. Right. Um, but bath salts kind of like went away. It turned into this drug called Flocka. I don't know if you heard about that. That was in Southeast Florida, okay. which was like super bath salts. And I kept seeing these uh, videos on my news feeds on Facebook of these people that look like they're possessed or they're just absolutely bat, you know what, crazy. Yeah. yeah. And um, it's from that drug. And it's like it completely disassociates you from all reality, it makes people wow. act really irrationally. And, um, I think there was another story of a guy on flock like e- eating a cat or something. It was oh, some God. weird stuff. Yeah. Some weird, 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 weird stuff. But spice is one of those unknown drugs too, like basalts. Like we don't know what it is anymore. Like mephedrone and basalts got changed so many times and then it just kind of fell off, turned into flocka, and that was the end of it. Spice, like we're so many iterations away from what that drug originally was. Right. Nobody really knows what it is anymore. And the right. fact that people just thought, started spontaneously bleeding from body orifices didn't shock me. Well, because we don't know what the long-term effects of a, of the drug is. And we don't know, as you say, we don't know what's in it. We don't even know what it is. Like, If you're actual, listening and you, you're doing spice, you should be very, very, very careful. We had a... If not, stop. And spice is one of those drugs that people don't realize there's a huge withdrawal from it um, like we get people on spice all like no, i wouldn't say all the time but fairly regularly and there's a pretty heavy withdrawal that comes from spice and the thing is you never really know what because you don't know what's in it you, but you don't really know what to expect with the drug because it's it's chemically altered all the time right that you, you don't know what kind of effects people are going to have right well i remember the attorney general it. saying that she would outlaw the formulation and then the dealers would just oh, come up with a new formulation one. and then right. she would outlaw that but she couldn't you know as much as she does that she can't really stay on top of it because they just changed the formulation mm-hmm. which means they're just adding something to it or taking something away right. more likely adding something to it more than likely yeah, and, and so in this case, uh, it came out that it was rat poison. Oh, that was causing the uh, the bleeding. Okay. So 
in this case, it wasn't the drug itself, but something that adulterated it. Right. And, uh, which no- we've talked about. I mean, it's like it's scary out there now. And it's it's even, you know, there's no question it's dangerous to be a drug addict mm-hmm. because it can lead to, you know, heart stoppage or overdose and death. Mm-hmm. But with the additives that are being added to drugs, right. and we ha- we listened to that interview by that guy, right. Tom Brown, because it's scary. You don't know what you're getting. But we've never I don't had- know if there are trusted dealers out there. Uh, you know, I, I do that in quotes, trusted dealers. It, the guy's giving you drugs, but is he giving you pure drugs or adulterated drugs? Right. But, you know, when it comes to the drug dealer, you know, I actually have compassion for some, and I'll tell you why. Because a lot of drug dealers are drug addicts. Right. And right. Well, we trying, talked about that. That's when we talked about trying, death to drug dealers. Well, I don't let's think look a dealer at the right is one. that much worse than an addict because you can't have one without the other. Right. You can't have a dealer and no addicts. You can't have addicts and no dealer. And a lot of dealers are... Addicts are addicts. And yeah. they're trying to like... And they're dealing to support their, their habit. They're dealing to support their habit and figure out their own way through life. And the thing is that they have the same problem their customers have. Right. They're just... They have a different hustle. Right. And, you know, that I, you know, I was thinking about that when Trump, I think it was a few weeks ago, came up with the whole... With like, the death to the, the death dealer. The right. to the dealers. It's like, yeah. okay, well, no. that's someone's... Kid. At the end of the day, it's still someone's kid. It's still well, someone's father. It's still... It's a person. You can't and, just kill dealers. That's not the answer. Well, as we talked about, I, and I, I think So that, are we going to kill the doctors? Yeah, that would... Are we going to start, start killing pill mill doctors? Yeah, exactly. Or psychiatrists? Well, but that's what we or, talked uh, about, where where there has to be some kind of delineation. Now, don't get me started on psychiatrists, and don't get me started on the doctors <laughs> who run the pill mills, because I have a very definite opinion on no, that. But but I think that, you know, there uh, whether or not that law actually gets implemented, we'll have to see down the line, but there will have to be, you know, some kind... There's going to be a, a pretty big gray area, which is going to make it very difficult to enforce because you have the guy, yeah. like you say, who's also the addict, who's just supporting his habit. Right. And then you have the guy that's importing like millions and millions of dollars worth of cocaine into the country. And should that guy get the death penalty? Hmm, maybe. I don't know. But you'd have to find that guy. So why wouldn't we kill the... The creators that are the drug synthesizers at Purdue. Don't ask me that question well, because posed, I, I'm po- it's more of a rhetorical well, question. Well, yeah, it is rhetorical I'm because just, I think they should. I think the the makers of Prozac and the makers of Ritalin, yeah, should look at some pretty heavy duty penalties. Whether I don't know about death, I don't know the death does all that much good, but they what they should do is they should be forced to take their own drugs. That's what they should do. Oh, how's that? Okay. Forced to take their own drugs. That would work. And then they would see how bad it is. I just feel like the the, the Trump administration with passing that law is kind of saying like some drug dealers are okay and some aren't. Hey, the guys on the streets are not okay, but the, the ones in the lab coats and the, and, and the prescription pads are okay because I don't think anyone thought of thinks of them as drug dealers. Right. Well, and but I, I think a pill mill doctors is some of the sole reason we're in the situation we're in right now. I, I don't either. disagree with you. And I, as I say, I, I think we'll wait to see if that law actually gets implemented. And this is not in fact a political no, podcast. I'm not trying to make so it we political. So we won't go there, but I, but I definitely understand what you're saying. And I think, yeah. Are you seeing anything new coming into Narconon that as is, far as drugs that people are on? Yeah, drugs that people are you on. You know, it's interesting because I wouldn't say it's anything new per se. It's just like the same thing and it's just perpetuating. But but let it's me going, ask- I can tell you this. We have more than three quarters. Of, I'll say this. More than three quarters of the people there for opioids. 
Okay. There's a very small amount there that's just meth, and the rest is alcohol. Okay. Um, and, and when I say opioids, I mean that's heroin pills, any anything opioid or opiate related. You don't see much just cocaine anymore. You don't see much, you know, people coming in and their drug of choice is, um, uh, what's it called? Hallucinogens. Right, like LSD um, we see or more. Like we get more phone calls of people that are completely addicted to marijuana and just marijuana. Like that is the thing that's ruining their life. Right. But for some reason, we don't get a lot of them in. Um, and then we have a small percentage and it's usually the older population that's mostly alcohol related. Now I will tell you this, when it comes to opioids, something I found very interesting, I've gotten more calls now than ever. And I talk to a person, I say, what is your drug of choice? And they say methadone. I say, oh, okay, so you were on heroin. No, I was never on heroin. Okay. So you're on pill. I was never on pills. My drug of choice is methadone. And I'll say, well, explain that to me. And some people will say, you know, I, uh, I got hurt and the doctor put me on methadone. Really? So methadone is prescribed as a painkiller, not just as an absolutely alternative to heroin. No, it absolutely is. And it's not, it's not that widespread of a thing or it wasn't, but I've gotten a few calls lately where people are like, yeah, I got hurt. I had to get injured or I had this happen or a back problem. And the doctor put me on methadone and wow, wow, that stuff makes you feel great. And I was so high and I just kept using it, kept using it. Now I'm on 170 milligrams a day. Just so you know, anything over like 60 milligrams a day is an extremely high dose of methadone. Okay. Um, and uh, it, it's kind of shocking to me that I'm getting more calls than ever that people are their drug of choice, it's methadone. It's not like they were on pills. It's not like they were on heroin. It's not like they started on oxys. It's like they either were given methadone as a pain reliever or they just got it on the street one day and someone said, here, try a methadone. And they took it and they loved it. And um, that's different. Yeah. That's different. And But you know, the same. I can say the same thing about Suboxone. Before I, before I ever took an opiate in my life, I was work. I'll never forget this. I was working in a restaurant, and this guy came up to me and said, "Hey, man, I got this little piece of a of a Suboxone. You want it? It was like a, like a piece of the equivalent to like two milligrams." Mm-hmm. Um, and he gave it to me. I said, "Sure, why not?" And uh, I put it under my tongue and it dissolved, and that was it. And then three hours later, it kicked in, mm. and I was higher. I'm telling you, I was high for two days. Wow! And I was just. My girlfriend was like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I'm just tired. We oh. tried to watch Lord of the Rings and I was like in a half like nod <laughs> state. It was just, it was unbelievable how high I got. And um, I'm not pro methadone or Suboxone. Right. I'm not saying, and people know that. Right. Who listen to our podcast. We're not proponents of replacement therapy. One, I don't think a drug is what you use to get off another drug. And two, I don't see the purpose of perpetuating an opiate addiction by just giving another opiate. Because if you look at methadone is just an opiate. Right. That's all it is. There's nothing different necessarily about a methadone than there is like an Oxy or Vicodin or whatever. It's just a controlled way of dosing a person on opiates. And then they don't necessarily need to go to rehab or they can get some counseling and whatever. And they can continue living what's considered a normal life and they're not on heroin or, or whatever. I don't think that's the appropriate way to do it. Now, I'm not saying people can't get sober like that. There are lots of people out there that go on Suboxone or Methadone and they they got off heroin or they got off the, the pills they were abusing and 
they got their lives back. And you know but, what? But the question then becomes, can they stop taking methadone and can they ta- stop taking Suboxone? Because no, they can't. You know, we got... Not without, not without treatment. Well, exactly. And here's the thing, you know, so we got a bunch, we got some, ne- not a bunch, we got a negative comment. Oh, you know, Suboxone has saved my life. Methadone saved my life. Why are you dissing Suboxone and methadone? And here's the thing. And for anybody listening you got to get this viewpoint. And if you don't agree with it, it's fine that you don't agree with it. We are pushing drug-free existence. Yeah, That's what we're pushing. based recovery. Abstinence. Absolutely. And I'll be honest, I don't completely abstain from alcohol. I don't, you know, but we are pushing abstinence. We are not pushing the idea that you take some sort of a substitute drug for your addiction that you will now take for the rest of your life. We're, we're not going to do that. And, and if methadone has worked for you and your life is beautiful and you're in complete control, hey, great. Good. And if you're taking Suboxone and your life is in complete control and it's turned around and everything is beautiful, great. But I would challenge you, can you stop taking it? And the point is, if you can't, without treatment, then you make the decision if you can't, you know, and I, I, we're not gonna, I'm not gonna apologize for that. I refuse. I won't do it. You know, it's like, we want you to lead a drug free existence. That's what we want. Because I, you know, and the other thing is, I, I know it's possible. It's, you know, yeah, the that's about, the thing. If we, we know, know that possible. it can be done because Jason's sitting here in front of me. An addict for what? 10 years. Long time. Long time. And he's drug free. So we know that it's absolutely possible to do. And so we know it's we know it's a possibility. So why would we want anything less for you, the listener? Why would we want that? We if would. we know it's possible. We, we wouldn't. We wouldn't. Exactly. We wouldn't. And you know, if you got your life back with Suboxone or Methadone, I'm glad you got your life back. Right. But the next step would be to try to get off it. And actually live a drug-free lifestyle because you never know what that feels like until you do it and you do it the right way. Because I get call- like I said, I know I'm always talking about the people I get calls from, but right. it's a good it's a good <laughs> indication of what's going on societally. Yeah. You know, tons of people will tell me, you know, I just don't feel right on Suboxone. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily feel bad. I just don't feel I don't feel the way I used to feel or on methadone. I don't feel the way I used to feel. My teeth hurt all the time. Right. Because methadone actually robs your body of calcium. That's why people long-term on methadone lose their teeth and end up with like osteoporosis and stuff like that. And um, I always tell people, you know, you never know what being truly clean feels like until you're truly clean. Right. The sauna detox helps with that. And also getting off the suboxone methadone. If anyone's listening, you think you can't get off it because the withdrawals are so bad. We can help you get off it. We help tons of people get off it all the time. But that's something that doctors never tell you. Right. They never tell you, okay, so we're going to- Here's the drug. It might be addictive. No, they don't tell you like, hey, you know, here's Suboxone. It's going to help you, you know, get off heroin. But just so you know, the the withdrawals from Suboxone are 10 times worse than the withdrawals from heroin. So therefore you take it for the rest of your life. And they last a lot longer. Right. Or here's Suboxone and you're going to be on it for the rest of your life. Oh, yeah. My doctors told me I was going to have to take medication for the rest of my life. Well, I'm on thyroid hormones and I have to take that for the rest of my life. And I don't even agree with that. And that's not even a drug. You know (laughs) what I mean? But yeah. Anyway, we want to, we want you to have a drug free life. And if, and if you want to shoot us for that, or you want to give us negative comments for that, go ahead because we want you to live a drug-free existence. I just want people to know it's possible. That's right. It was a lot of times, you know, when you're going through addiction, 
You, you don't think it's possible. You think lots of things are impossible. Right. You think getting sober to some degree is impossible. Is impossible. You right. Think being financially stable, not having, you know, family drama, you know, have, you know, having a job you love, you know, all these things, you feel like all these things are impossible. You feel like these are things you can't have. Like your ability to feel like you can have things that you want goes away with addiction because addiction takes so much away from you. Right. I mean, it takes away your family. It takes away your dignity and your pride and your self-respect. It takes away your money. It takes away your possessions and it takes away your girlfriends or boyfriends, husbands or wives. Right. Um, it takes every thing you love about life away from you. Yeah. And you never knew that when you smoked your first joint or you right. took your first pill. No one gave you that disclaimer. Hey, by the way, this is going to destroy your life. You're never going to be able to stop taking it. I feel. I wish. <laughs> You're going to lie, st- steal, and cheat from everybody that you love. <laughs> I wish my ri- the original dealers I, I I you know bought drugs from gave me that disclaimer. Hey man, getting high feels good, but. You're going to trade. You better be prepared. You better be prepared. It's a lifelong commitment. Everything you love. Yeah. It's a lifelong commitment. You're going to be life. You have a lifelong commitment to heroin or marijuana or cocaine or what have you. Isn't it interesting how a snap decision could have such dire consequences? Mm -hmm. Because using drugs, not generally something that's premeditated and planned out. It's usually like it's a snap decision. Someone says, hey, man, you want to get high? You go, yeah, sure. When you're Uh, four years old and someone says, what do you want to be when you grow up? Typically, the answer is not a drug addict. It's that quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're right. Snap decisions. You never know. Yep. What that what that's going to turn into. And it's like, you really have to think about it. You know, that that quick choice to get high has these almost lifelong consequences. And we, ha- we all have to be really, really careful with all snap decisions we make in life. You know, drug use is never premeditated. I didn't plan one day to smoke pot. I didn't plan one day to take a pill. I didn't plan one day to do a line of cocaine. It just was like an instantaneous bad choice. They didn't realize that I was literally going to trade everything I love about life and, and, and give it over to that drug and give it over to that drug dealer and that lifestyle. But that's what ends up happening. That's and right. And I want to see more people make better choices than I made. Right. Because I didn't make, there's some bad choices I made in my life. And I made some really poor choices in regards to my addiction. But, you know, one thing that was a common thread with me, that was a common thread with most addicts I talked to, is that once you strip the drugs away, you're left with like this. And we, well, once you ship the drugs away and you get a person up to like the here and now and like out of all their past negative life experiences, you kind of got this like blank slate, right? That you have to just guide in the right direction. Yeah, there's still stuff to to deal with as far as what you've done in the past and the things that have happened to you and so on and so forth and the people that you're connected to and stuff. But it's almost like you have this blank slate. And, I, and some of the students over at Narcan will have this look about them. And I'll know that they just got done with a certain part of the program. And I'll say, okay, so now it's like when we actually teach you what to do with all this. Right. Because, Give you some tools because you can we, use. Because there's so much that goes into using drugs. Right. And, you know, I almost, I said to myself one day when I was an addict, like, I don't know who I am if I'm not a drug addict. Right. Because my entire identity wow. 
had become that. I'm a drug user. I'm a dope fiend. I'm a liar. I'm a cheater. I'm a manipulator. I'm a terrible son. I'm a terrible brother. I'm a terrible this. I'm a terrible that. Because I do all these things to feed my habit. And this habit comes from this huge demon that lives inside me that wants And I have to feed it. All the time. If I don't feed it. I get sick. I'm going to be terrible. I'm going to be a bad person. I'm going to be a worse person. No one's going to want to. Nobody really wants that. And I didn't realize. I, I like lost I took all like a complete concept of who I was in this world. Mm-hmm. What am I supposed to do here? And I remember this one time I had this realization. I said, and I thought to myself, I was like, how could anybody go through life not dependent on something? Mm-hmm. Isn't everybody addicted to something? And at that moment, I was like, oh, I've got a problem. (laughs) (laughs) And I realized Mm. that was like a completely inappropriate cognition or realization Mm. to have. And I was like, and then I realized, oh, God, I'm in this really deep. And um, so the answer to that would be no. (laughs) So a lot of people, they build their identities around their addiction and lose track of who they are. And a lot of us start using drugs, you know, in our teens. Right. And it's like, those are like some crucial years where you're trying to like figure out who you are and what you stand for and what you're doing here on this mortal coil. And, uh, you know, in the program, once they get to a certain points, like you've got this blank slate again and you've like wiped the drugs away. You've wiped some of the long-term and short-term effects of it away. And you've got a person like right up into the here and now and they're not stuck in the past. And it's just like, what do I do? What do I How do, do I operate? Who, or How do I live? Am, who am I? Why am I here? What purpose, you know, my purpose has been for the last 10 years to get high every day as much as I can and as often as I can. And now I don't have that purpose anymore. So what's my purpose? I can see, I, I, I can like see a, how that a, would happen. It's a deer in the headlights thing. Yeah. But on the good side. Oh, it's a, it's a good thing. But on the good side, you have the clean slate and now you can put good purposes there whether it's to be an artist or to be a musician or to be a good father you know or to be a good executive or to help others like you do it's a very it's a very very interesting process to sit back and watch because it's just like the results are truly amazing there's this girl i brought into the program about through two two months ago okay that i mean was beaten pretty bad when she got there i mean she was just a mess um and to see the complete change in two months to where she is now she looks completely different she carries herself differently she smiles she laughs and she said the other day jason i'm actually truly happy and you know everything you told me about the program when i was coming in she's like honestly i thought you were full of it right (laughs) you're you're selling me this pipe dream that i was gonna be happy and i was gonna not crave drugs and I was and not and not and all these things that every program I've been to said's impossible and you were saying they're promising me that I thought you were full of it. But I have to tell you that like now that I'm actually like I've been here for a little while and I'm actually experiencing it, she's like, You are right on. And I, she's like, These are things I never thought were possible. And she, you know, this is why this is one of the reasons why I like doing the podcast because it and I like interviewing the students sure. because it's all well and good for them to hear you say it over and over again. Well, they have to hear and it. me, I'm like, you know, I know nothing because I've never been an addict. But when we put the graduates on the podcast and we interview them, you know, listeners, it's not just because Jason says it's true. If you were, if all you did was go and visit Narcanon and talk to the students that are there, 
you would have a change of viewpoint. And I would say to any parents or loved ones, if you're sitting there listening and you're like, well, I don't know about Narconon, you know, this, that, or the other thing, or I read whatever, you should actually come to Clearwater and visit Narconon Suncoast. And I can almost 100% guarantee that you will change your mind. When you see the change that is effected on the students at Narconon, changes that if you're an addict, you don't believe can happen. And if you're a family member, you wish, but you're not sure can ever happen. I'm telling you, it happens. I've been to, I've been there enough and talked, you know, interviewed enough of the graduates that you bring here, Jason, that it's, I know, I've been around this program for a long time. I know it's possible. I know it's possible. And, and you know, I, take it, I mean, I know everyone, I always say, take it from me. Uh, but <laughs> it's like, I, I was one of those people that bounced around yeah. from program to program. I And I know that I know the Narconon difference. This sounds so yeah. cliche. But it's true. I do know the difference. And it's like, like Joni said, if you want to see what we do, come visit one of our centers. Yep. We've got centers in... Florida and Louisiana. There's we're two sister facilities. Right. So, you know, anyone that's in the areas, come by, drop by the facility, take a tour. We're totally open. Yeah, no we, commitment. Just no, come and visit and look at the place. And yeah. I wanna I wanna say one other thing before we end off to Jay, today, Jason, because my husband monitors the social media. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Steve. And so he tells me about the various comments. And I wanna I wanna say a word about the twelve step program. Um, because I interviewed for those of you who think that we hate 12-step programs. We don't, in fact, hate 12-step programs. In fact, last week I interviewed Craig DeRoche and Craig came through a 12-step program and it changed his life. The, the main problem that I have is that the majority of people are not able to get sober on 12-step programs. That doesn't mean that everybody can't. And we know Craig did, and there are many who can. But if you look at the percentage of those who are able to get sober through 12-step, it is not as high as a program such as Narconon. So that is the point I am saying that is, that is based on what we know to be factual metrics. It is not my opinion, but I just want to make that clear because, as I say, Craig came through the 12-step program. Fortunately, as part of his experience with a 12-step program, he was able to get a very good understanding of the fact that drugs were the solution for other problems mm -hmm. in his life. Mm -hmm. So he is now able to handle those problems in his life without the use of alcohol and drugs. Great. Great. And, and, and if that works for you or that worked for you, you know, more power to you. What we want for you and what we want for your loved ones and what we want for your family members is a sober, drug-free existence. Just, That's what we want. And however you get you, there, get you, there. I just want you guys to be clean. Exactly. I don't want you guys on drugs. I don't want you guys to have to go through that. I went through it. It's yep. miserable. I'm sorry. I'm going to say it. I'm a curse. It sucks. <laughs> it does. Addiction is terrible. There's yeah. nothing good about it. I don't care if what you do. Get off drugs, get sober, and get your life back. Right. That's all that matters. And, and we can help you if you need our help. And if you don't, and you can find a program that works for you, great. Then Just do it. The idea everything. is to get treatment, get clean, get sober. And yes, I'm sorry, those of you who think that methadone and suboxone are the you know greatest things since sliced bread, 
That's not being drug free. That's what we want. If you want to shoot us for that, if you want to, you know, write nasty comments about that, go for it. Because I don't feel bad that I want you to be drug free. And I will never feel bad that I want you to be drug free. There you go. There you have it. We'll talk again. Next week will be our 52nd episode. As a year. I know. It will be Whoa. a year's worth of episodes, uh, podcasts. I, I and and we will celebrate. I'll have a cupcake or something and we'll oh, blow horns. We, and... should, we should do a Facebook live stream. We should. Let's do that. We'll we, do that. We got to figure out a way to set up. A cell phone. I'll make to, my husband or, stand or, there with his cell phone. We can do a Facebook. Live. I, I've been wanting to do that for a little bit, and so we'll do now it. I'm 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 doing I'm saying it on the air to give a commitment to our listeners that we'll probably do a Facebook live stream for the 52nd. There episode. you go, and we can do it. You can see us doing our thing in the studio. I like it. I think we should do that. Okay, good. Okay, it's a deal. We'll we'll, see you next we'll be week. here again. Okay. okay. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, call 877-339-3324 or visit www.narcononsuncoast.org. Narconon is a non-12-step rehabilitation program based on the works of L. Ron Hubbard. 